Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we're feeling it. If this is your first time joining us. Welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. All right, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. All right, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy. Can we just talk about Riz Ahmed, bro? <laughs> That's all I want to talk about. <laughs> needs to come out with his own kind of soda called Fizz Ahmed. Nope, nope. Needs to come out with his own flavor of Dairy Queen dessert called Blizz Ahmed. You've, you've taken come it out all too far. With his own type of amphibian species called Liz Ahmed. I don't... I'm, no, I don't... That one was no. really good. Good thing I saved no. the best for last. All right, we ready to talk about Rogue One? <laughs> All right. Welcome, everyone. Happy to have you back with us listening to the pod this week. Um, before we get started, I want to talk through a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, we will not be releasing an episode next week as we will all be spending time with our families for Christmas, but we will be back on the following week. Um, so look for a new episode and resuming our regular schedule on January 4th. And it'll be a good one, so you'll be excited to be back. <laughs> it's gonna be so good. <laughs> so, uh, the way we're gonna run through this week is, uh, like every week, we're gonna start off by talking about what we're feeling, uh, and then move into our main topic, which this week is a review uh, without spoilers and then with spoilers of the new movie uh, Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. So let's get into it. Let's introduce ourselves. And in doing so, and in honor of Rogue One, she let us know what your favorite music is to listen to when you're feeling rebellious. I'm Lucas Wright, a designer from the Bay Area, and I gotta say, the Hamilton mixtape, which came out this month, has been pretty on point, especially the Immigrants song um, sure. off that. That is that is my rebellious song today. Nice. And it ties in with Rogue One, because Riz Ahmed is on that track. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, he's Riz MC. I didn't he's the British rapper. that at all. Okay, I yeah. re-listen to that now. Re-listen to that song. Lucas wins the introduction round. So good. <laughs> Keep it going. <laughs> I'm Sandra Amstutz. I'm a social media manager in Nashville, Tennessee. And I feel like this question is designed to make me look foolish because uh, <laughs> of my lame taste in music. But I think what I listen to is a few select singles off of Panic at the Disco's first album. Ooh. Um, gets me back to that teenage... <laughs> angsty rebellious mood yeah <laughs> nice i'm i'm lost and soured i'm an art director in nashville tennessee my original thought um for this was think twice by eve six i don't know if you guys remember that very high yep. school angsty. i don't remember which song it was but an eve six song was my class song that we all voted on uh for senior that's year. amazing <laughs> yeah wow that's fantastic Jeez. i was gonna say my current uh rebellious music is the entire album off run the jewels Two is just so so good just pumps adrenaline and anarchy into my veins so um <laughs> yeah so let's get into it guys uh lucas do you want to start us off what are you feeling this week man yes i'm feeling a movie that came out in march of this year um it's been on my list of things to watch and i finally got around to watching it it is 
Hunt for the Wilder People. It is a the newest movie directed by. I can never get his name. Taki Watiti Taki Watiti. How do you pronounce his name? Is it Taki? No. I think his. If you pronounce it in the native language, I think it is the director of the new Thor movie. (laughs) (laughs) Correct. Correct. Um, I absolutely love, love his movies. Um, Besides Hunt for the Wilder People, last year I watched um, What We Do in the Shadows with you, Lawson, actually. On the plane. We laughed so much. It was amazing. Um, And his other movies, um, Boy and... Did he make Four Lions? Uh, he did not make Four Lions. That one has Riz Ahmed, right? Right? I think so. Well, I'm throwing out. Know. I'm throwing out every Riz Ahmed reference. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, and he's currently working on Thor Ragnarok right now, um, which I'm super pumped for, especially based off his last two movies. He can really, really handle comedy really well, and he lets his actors breathe a lot. I think he. They just like they really. He lets them live in their characters and really lets them portray um, a lot of what they're what they're trying to get across. You can tell that there's a lot of there's a lot of direction from him, um, but his actors his actors acting chops really come through. Um, in this movie, Hunt for the Wilder People, it's the the story of an orphan who um, goes to live with a new family and just his relationship with the um, I guess the 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 man in that family um it's set in new zealand shot in new zealand um and it is gorgeous and makes me really really want to visit new zealand um the 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 main actor the kid um julian dennison is hilarious he plays ricky baker and it is probably my favorite kid performance this year which is impressive with stranger things the nice guys moana um, Mo- yeah moana what other i haven't seen that yet but there's yes moana of, i know I, really... I was joking it's animated there, no hey, really there's a are... girl yeah she's like she's a minor she's in it she yeah. counts that's true that's true she's a breakout star in that that's very yeah it's like there... i mean there's too many to list because i can think it's... of like so many more that i don't know if you've seen lucas that are amazing kid performances this year yeah this to the as crappy oh, as 2016 yeah. has been yeah moonlight. there have been so many amazing ch- child performances. <laughs> um, and I'm really excited to see where all of these kids go next. Um, but him specifically, he is a charming little kid. Uh, he's not little. I guess he's like 13, 15, something like that. Um, but he did an amazing job in this movie. And I feel like it's very difficult for um, a kid to... It's, I, I think it's really difficult to have cast someone in this comedic of a role um and especially a child and i think he just did a great job yeah he acts against sam neil who plays the uh the uh foster father and they it's basically mostly them the entire movie and it is phenomenal you guys haven't seen this movie yet correct no but i will say that this is probably my favorite trailer of the year was for this movie oh yeah yes it's a hilarious trailer um it makes me so excited to see it. And I think it's important to note, Lucas, that this is also kind of like an adventure film, right? Yes, very much so. It's about them kind of wandering around in the bush of New Zealand. Yeah. So there's a it's it's a it's a adventure comedy. Yeah. So yeah. Um, this is one of those rare movies that I don't feel like there's no immediacy. Like it's not like, oh, I have to see this right this second because people aren't like talking about it and spoiling it. 
but I have mm-hmm. so much anticipation in the back of my mind because I know it's going to be so good. Yes. Like ever since I saw the trailer, I thought that movie's going to be great. My yes, definitely. is that I definitely want to see it before the year end and before I make my top 10 list because I have a feeling it could get on there. I'm uh, pretty sure it's going to be on my top 10 list of the year. So that's one of the reasons that I decided to watch it so soon. <laughs> so, thanks um, for adding to my list of urgent things to do, guys. Yeah, I know, right? Sure. I know. You got like a week to get this uh, wrapped <laughs> up. So <laughs> good luck. Um, no, but this is, this is one I would definitely recommend. I'm sure it will be on a streaming service at some point in the next couple months. Uh, I think it recently just came out on DVD. Um, but watch, watch this movie, people. It is beautiful. It's a great family movie. It's hilarious. Uh, it, it'd actually be one that would be fantastic to watch over Christmas with your family. Okay. Good to know. That that is one that everyone will enjoy. That's great. In, uh, indie flicks like that can go either way. So that's yes, correct. This is one awesome. everyone can get behind. Awesome. I might try to do that yep. in the next few days. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much, Lucas. That's perfectly timed for a pick. Um, yep. Really appreciate your sharing, uh, Sandra. What are you feeling this week? This week, I'm feeling my most anticipated movie of the year, La La Land. Um, yes. Starring Emma Stone, Ryan Gosling, directed by Damien Chazelle. Um, I, like I said, I have been ready for this movie ever since I heard that it was getting made. Um, (laughs) I am one of the people that thinks that Crazy Stupid Love is a really, really great movie. I I adored it when I watched it. And a big part of the reason for that is because of the chemistry between Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone. The the two of them individually are some of the most charismatic performers I think we have working today. And then together, it's just like staring at the sun. It is <laughs> it's just so thrilling, I think, to watch their chemistry. So when I heard that the two of them were going to be starring in a musical made by the guy who made Whiplash, um, I was just, <laughs> you know, beyond excited. So... Uh, then, you know, this film came out in the festival circuit and was getting just, like, some of the most amazing reviews I've ever heard. People saying it was, like, this, like, return of, like, the greatness of cinema and that it was, like, one of the best movies <laughs> they've ever seen. And whenever a movie gets praised like that, I get a combo mixture of, like, feelings of great excitement and also great worry because I know that when movies are kind of built up in that way... Um, they have a lot to live up to. Yeah. So seeing this movie, um, I absolutely did love it. Um, I will say it's not a perfect movie. It's not a movie that I think, um, it's definitely not my favorite movie of the year, although it is definitely one of my favorites of the year. The best way to describe this movie is that it is the closest thing I've ever experienced in with a film um, that truly feels like a dream. And I mean like a literal dream. Um, I don't know about y'all, but my dreams are very cinematic. I feel like they're the best movies <laughs> that you can ever see are happening in my mind. Um, and I and I dream a lot in very like movie form. And this movie felt like something that I would be dreaming. Um it was everything I could have asked for in a movie for Sandra. It was um, the romance felt so pure. The the 
humor I thought was right up my alley. I loved like the optimism and the music and the colors. Um, it was just a ball to watch. I think it's a very simple story. It doesn't, um, I think, break new ground in like my emotional journey with film. I think some of like the visuals are like really interesting and stunning and new, but um, as far as storytelling goes, it's very simple and sweet and um, it's very hopeful and kind of all I really needed to watch in this kind of like um, season of the year. So I had a ball with it. I loved it. I'm highly recommending it to everyone, um, especially people who enjoy musicals um, or the incredible talents of Ryan Gosling. I think he... He just amazes me with each new movie he puts out. And so and this yeah. was no exception. Um I as far as criticism of it, I would say that Emma Stone's singing is not as um amazing as I had hoped it would be. Neither mm-hmm. of them have the voices of people who like of musical theater people. So this isn't yeah. this doesn't feel like a musical in like that classic sense. Um but what they, I, I, I enjoyed Ryan Gosling sing, singing fine, and Emma Stones wasn't bad by any means, but it wasn't as full of a voice as I'm used to hearing in musicals. Yeah. Um, but what they lack in that training that in singing, they make up for in just pure charm and energy and like um, acting talent. So I was, I was, I'm okay with that kind of trade. Yeah, definitely. This is this is a movie that I will. I'm hoping my family wants to see when I go home for Christmas. So, fingers crossed. I would <laughs> definitely say it is a very family friendly movie. Like you, um, you can take anyone to see this, and I would highly recommend it. Cool. I cool. mean, kids might be bored with it, so I wouldn't. Right. Do that, right. <laughs> I don't take kids to movies. <laughs> I sit next to them to hear them talk through the entire thing. <laughs> no, I'm the, just hearing you describe it as a dream. Well, first of all, I want to jump back for a second and say that I think that Netflix should pick up a category um, for their sorting that is called Movies for Sandra. Oh, um, <laughs> that's a very identifiable demographic. But uh, I... <laughs> saw Mulholland Drive for the first time a couple months ago. Oh, yeah. And yeah. that movie was very much like watching a dream, but it was kind of like a twisted, nightmarish dream. And so something right. as sweet and cinematic and uh, hope-filled as this, I, I'm just like so much more interested in that kind of a dream for a viewing experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I loved about this movie that felt so dreamlike is that it drifts in and out of what let's just say it's reality. Um, it's kind of hard to describe, but it's never confusing. At least I, I never felt confused by what was happening. Um, I never like was trying to wonder like, is this real or is this not? It's just very like sort of the way you are in a dream where things are sometimes very normal. And then sometimes they're kind of crazy, but they all make sense at the, in the moment. Um, I think once you're watching it, you'll understand how like, uh, things that are miraculous happen that um, just make total sense in the context of the film. And I, and I love the, the way that it's playing with that. Nice. Uh, that's really exciting. I think Lucas and I, and probably most of the people listening are 
if they weren't before, are now very anxious to see it. So thank you so much for the recommendation. It looks fantastic. All right, well, um, jumping into what I'm feeling this week, I'm feeling a song by the artist Mitski called Your Best American Girl. Have you guys heard this track? No, I haven't. I don't know. I've never heard of Mitski either. Okay, well, I... It's, she's very private and non-promotional, like a very much a keep-to-herself kind of artist. I only heard of her through NPR, so I thought that maybe you guys had heard the same thing. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I feel like I'm Lawson, hearing... I don't listen to NPR. <laughs> you, you think too highly of me. <laughs> well, we have talked on the pod before about how we none of us thought we would ever listen to talk radio whenever we were younger, and here we are. Like, all I listen to is, like, keeping it 1600 and podcasts and NPR and all this kind of stuff. But Basically, um, he's saying, someday you'll get there, Sandra. Oh, thanks. I appreciate <laughs> it. They'll air a piece about reality TV shows and... Okay! Boom! Burn! <laughs> Shots fired. Shots fired. Uh, all right. Uh, but I... If you are interested in getting more versed in rock music, like, NPR is kind of where I'm getting the vast majority of my rock recommendations now which is really interesting um to me anyway i never thought that that'd be the case (laughs) uh mitski is incredible but she's not like big on the scene as far as i know she has a couple of albums out already but i had never heard of her um in general one thing i'm picking up on a lot is i feel like other people are already picking up on this but like women are the only people doing compelling things in rock and roll right now like all of my favorite rock songs are by women. Angel Olsen, Courtney Barnett, Torres, like all of these artists are putting out amazing, amazing rock albums. And I just grew up listening to rock and roll that was a lot, it was mostly a boys club. And I think that these voices are coming out and making up for lost time, being kept out of this club uh, and airwaves and stuff and just like kicking ass. And I love it. Um, Anyway, getting to Mitski specifically, she is fantastic. She's biracial, born in Japan, um, moved frequently from like Japan to Congo to Malaysia, China, Turkey, all these other countries before moving to New York. Um, so her music really kind of reflects like a cross-cultural identity of like half Japanese, half American, but not fully either. Uh, I had several friends growing up that were in a similar situation that considered themselves third culture kids. Um, but yeah, her music really addresses uh, just just issues of belonging, uh, and this song in particular really grapples with her ideas of identity and belonging. Because um, I mean, you, you can probably guess from the title of the song, uh, but I want to play kind of a little bit longer than normal clip, not too long. But the first part of this song is an amazing, just kind of inhale, and whenever the chorus drops, it punches me right in the gut. So this is a, a clip from Your Best American Girl by Mitski.
amazing. I am in love with this new album. The album that this song is off is called Puberty 2, the number two. Um, and this is far and away my favorite track off the album, but there are no bad songs on it. Um, so, yeah. Kind of like what you... Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, like, what you said before just about the... Having someone who's part feels like they're part, like you said, did you say third culture kids? Um, yeah, third culture kids. Someone who feels like they're part of multiple cultures and kind of how that um, kind of bleeds into their art and stuff, I think is really interesting and something that is not new to this time period, but I feel like we're getting more, um, I guess, exposure to that now. Um, mainly musicians are showing their art that way but um you know filmmakers and stuff like that i think it's really cool to see that kind of art coming out yeah it's a perspective it makes for amazing songwriting like it's beautiful it and insightful <laughs> and it's a slice of the human experience that not everyone has and yeah that's just i think i, I think white guys are out of ways to say the same story over and over <laughs> and like now there's all of these voices that finally you know have been there and maybe have uh been on levels that i haven't heard before that are finally getting out louder into the, the public consciousness with these actually interesting complex nuanced perspectives yeah. and i love it yeah well not not to bring it back to riz ahmed again but we're just this is just the riz ahmed episode as well <laughs> at least from my end <laughs> the title um, is no but... longer rogue one it's riz ahmed yeah, we're talking about Riz Ahmed only now. Um, but he he came out with an he he he's his uh I guess musical name his rapper name I don't know is Riz MC, um, but he is Pakistani but was born and raised in London. Um, and his his album that came out this year is called um, Englishan. So it's just half you know nice. it, it's and on the cover it's him with a jersey that's half English half uh, the Pakistani soccer jersey. Um, and the whole album is just about what it's like to be part of both cultures like that, um, which is super cool. So. Yeah. Love it. All right. I love it. Well, love it, love it. All this Riz Ahmed talk, I think it's a perfect transition into our, our main topic for today. Absolutely. Oh. Do you want to talk about a movie where a main character feels like they're a part of two worlds but don't belong to either one? Do you want to talk about a movie where there are lots of cultures represented in a main story? Do you want to talk? I'm done with that line of things. <laughs> Let's talk about Rogue One. Rogue the One, spoiler free, let's talk about it. This is the latest installment in the Star Wars franchise uh, since being purchased by Disney in 2012. It's the first anthology film of its kind, so it's a movie set in the universe of Star Wars, but it doesn't explicitly star a Skywalker as the main protagonist. So I'm really interested in knowing what you guys thought about this brand new territory for this franchise. Um, who wants to start us off? Lucas? No one? So yeah, in initial thoughts on Rogue One. I I will kick it off. I <laughs> really... What? What? No, I... Well, okay, here's... Okay, here's the other you thing. You and Sandra responded the same amount. It's not like it's on something. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. Um, but here, here's the thing that I also want to get at as we're talking about 
what we thought of this movie. Yeah, let's it, set it up. It does properly. matter what we think of Star Wars in general, how we approach this movie. Absolutely. So I do think we should rank the Star Wars as we, as we talk about this. So like, where Rogue One fits into our ranking of the rest of the Star Wars. If we're movies. ranking every Star Wars movie, where does it land for us? We don't have to start off that way, but I'm just going to I'm going to say mine. Okay. We'll just and throw, then we'll go we'll into pepper it, it in there. And then everyone else can say theirs as they're kind of talking about it. So we'll keep it organic, the exact opposite exactly. of part of the conversation. Yes. <laughs> just cuz it gives a little bit more context to I think yeah, that is who helpful. you can not who you can trust out of this group, but who do you identify <laughs> with? If your feelings <laughs> align with certain people in this group. <laughs> anyway, I'll kick it off. Yeah, Luke's sure. Luke's favorite um, is episode one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that 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 will be the the differentiator here is who uh, <laughs> who likes the prequels. Um, so I I'll I'll, I'll kick it off with my ranking. Uh, five five is the best movie. Five, then four. Then for me, uh, episode seven, then Rogue One, then six, then three, then two, then one. Damn, that's a great ranking. I know it's 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 the best ranking. It's a obviously. really good one. So you guys you guys can think yours through, but uh, just know that that I I, I won this as well. Um, <laughs> anyway, how I feel about Rogue One? <laughs> Rogue One, Rogue One, I thought was a really good movie. I think um, it does a lot to feel a part of the universe of Star Wars, and yet it comes off right off the bat just saying like, hey, I'm a different movie. I'm not going to tell you the same story, um, which I really liked about it. I was nervous, um, especially with this will get inside baseball, but there were lots of reshoots and rewriting and I think not necessarily production issues, but there's a lot of production stuff that had a lot of people worried about this movie. And... All of that, I think, went really well. <laughs> um, yeah. What it produced was a movie that was very different, I think, than the first trailer that came out, um, but that had a really good theme, really good cast, um, a really good visual style. Uh, every every shot of this movie is beautiful. It really looks great. Um, and that is something that cannot be said for I think any of the other Star Wars movies. As much they're they're more story driven, where this is a great story and also a beautiful movie. So yeah, and I think it um, shows that those aren't mutually exclusive in the Star Wars universe, which is great. Yep. yep you don't have definitely. to use a star wipe in a Star Wars movie. Exactly. Um, they they agonized over that a little bit. Um, I, I listened to the Empire podcasts interview um, with the director. Uh, today and that i think was something that was dictated a little bit more by disney um to differentiate it they said they said basically we're not doing an opening crawl we're not doing star wipes those are those are things that are very much a part of star wars and that this film decides hey we're not going to do um but the themes the, the story itself is very much inside the star wars universe and i love it I thought it was great. There are some character issues that we can talk about um, and just some development issues that I that I wasn't a huge fan of. Uh, but overall, this is this is a really, really fun movie. Awesome. Sandra? I had a really fun time, too. Um, this uh, the way that this movie felt separate from the Star Wars movies that we've grown accustomed to 
is that I feel like those stories are about characters that are important to the story and we get to know those characters as well as see them go on adventures. And this movie to me was less character focused and more about an adventure that people in this universe go on. Um, so it is a fun, fun time because it's a fun adventure to watch. So but it's not what I'm used to when seeing Star Wars movie. And I don't think that that's a negative thing. It's just a different type of movie. Um, mm -hmm. The, when I was watching it, the, it was, I was enjoying it for the most part, but the first two acts um, didn't do anything to like blow me away. They were just kind of like, this is just an enjoy enjoyable popcorn flick. It doesn't get until the third act before you're really like, oh, here's the movie I've been waiting for. Um, huh. So I think I think that's kind of an issue in my book that it doesn't feel consistently amazing throughout. Um, I feel like that ending is so impressive and fun to watch and exciting, and the, the you know beginning and middle are just like enjoyable, but nothing like too outrageous. Um, I loved all the casting in this movie. The one thing that I, I wish, you know, we talked, I mentioned earlier that this movie doesn't have a ton of character development. It's more about, I think, the action and the adventure. And I was, it's a little disappointing to see performers that are so exciting and dynamic not get to do as much character work as I wish they could have. Um, but they're great in what with what they're given and what they're doing is really fun to watch. Um, you know, Lucas, you mentioned about how there were all these reshoots and there was not a lot. Uh, there was some stuff that was in the trailers that didn't make it to the final film. Um, a flaw of mine is that when I see a trailer for a movie, especially a trailer that's like, I think as iconic as the first trailers we saw for rogue one, when I'm watching the movie, I'm just like, yep keeping a track a shot list in my head like okay have we seen this one yet have we have they said this line yet from the trailer you know and so to watch this movie and have so mm -hmm. much of that be missing from the final film was um a little disappointing I, I i must say like you know i don't think it's i think the movie is still great and i'm not and th there's a great chance that taking out those scenes made this movie better so I'm not saying that those scenes, you know, I, I'm not mm -hmm. mad that, that those scenes aren't in the movie. But when I'm but during watching it, right. there's iconic shots from those trailers that I fell in love with never appear in the film. Um, it's just it's a little sad. Mm -hmm. um, so overall, I had a really fun time. I want to see this movie again. Um, but it's, you know, hearing people say that this is like the best Star Wars movie ever made is kind of, I think, a little ridiculous. Yeah. Now, now rank your Star Wars so we can tell you why you're wrong. <laughs> I, I don't know if I have like a full ranking of all of them. I never saw episode one. Um, I saw episode two, to, two and three, but I don't remember them very well. But I feel like I enjoyed them fine. I was, you know, young when I saw them. Um, I... Episode six use has used to be my favorite for a long time. Then I rewatched episode five and was like, oh no, this is a really, really great movie. Um, and I adored episode seven. I would have to say that I liked, I would probably say that episode 
five and six are my one and two. And then episode seven is three. Episode four would be four. And then Rogue One would probably be my five. And then the prequels, you know, can go below that. You gotta rank the prequels. You gotta rank the prequels. I don't know. Probably um, two, then three, then one, because I've never seen it. All right. All right. Interesting. So you wouldn't call yourself a Star Wars fanatic fanatic no absolutely not I've I enjoy the ones that I've seen um I feel like I know more about it than my roommates but I know a lot less about it than people that are really into Star Wars (laughs) if that gives you like a a kind of a gauge of where I'm at it does she does know that Ray's lineage is in dispute yeah oh my gosh (laughs) it's not in dispute guys She's I, just a person. I, I she doesn't have to have a lineage. All the storylines, but when people are like memorizing the names of planets and cities, I'm like, oh no, that's too much for me. I don't remember the names of any of these places. The best way to remember <laughs> the names of the planets is to play the video games, and then oh, you're like, yeah. oh, this planet has snow, and this planet has forests, and that's super like. Oh, that's okay. the reason I know like Kashyyyk and Hoth and all these different. I things. I never saw episode one, but I did play a pod racing video game quite a bit from episode one, so <laughs> oh. I have a little bit of experience with that movie. I'm glad there you, you did because that video game is the reason the pod racing scene is in the movie, oh. so they could make and sell that video game. Well, they did. It worked. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah. All right. So I will. Throw... Um, re- sorry, oh, real quick. Any extracurricular Star Wars stuff that you've consumed? Books, TV shows? No, absolutely not. Okay, okay. (laughs) I have played a thousand million hours of Star Wars Battlefront 2, one half thousand million hours of Star Wars Battlefront 1. Um, I've played Star Wars Shadows of the Empire, and... I think that's I saw like ten minutes of a animated Star Wars show once and that was It was probably Clone Wars. Yeah, Clone Wars. Yep. Which I've heard I've heard great things about all the Star Wars animated stuff. I just like can't get into it. I I also have had a hard time being able to convince myself to watch an animated TV show about Star Wars. But I've heard it I've heard it's really good, really good. I've watched a couple episodes of Clone Wars, but uh apparently um what's the new one? Star Wars Rebels. Yes. Um which is on Disney XD. Yeah. Right. That's correct. Like, yeah. I, 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 I'm, I'm sure it's amazing, but I just can't, I can't do it. I can't bring myself to do that. To if me, I had a kid, maybe I would watch it with my kid, but I, right. I'm an it, adult. I can't do this. It feels <laughs> like the, uh, like storyboards for movies I would watch. <laughs> like, yes, exactly. Like, yeah, if you care enough about that to make it live action, I'll watch it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right, uh, Lawson, tell us what you thought. Actually, right. rank it first. Rank I'll rank it first. it first. Five. So we can know if we trust you. Five is number okay. one. Then mm-hmm. seven. Ooh. Then four. You liked that much. Yeah. Okay. Then four. I thought uh, Force Awakens did the things that the original Star Wars did, but better. So seven, okay. then four, then six. I loved uh, the Empire. Yeah, I love Return of the Jedi when I was a kid. I was young enough to not, like, be put off by it. Um, mm-hmm. So after six, it would be Rogue One, and then episode two, then episode three, and then episode one. Okay, okay. So I think I think what put me off coming into this movie was that so many people ranked 
there's after the trilogy, which feels like low on the list, but I just put everything so much higher than the prequels. Yeah. Like ever all of the movies are on one level and then the prequels are way down here. Okay. So that it's a, yeah. That is something in particular I really want to talk about that I love about this movie is mm-hmm it feels like a Star Wars movie that fits with the original trilogy. Like, this movie, Episode 7, they live, they really do live in the Star Wars universe. Like, Disney gets what matters about Star Wars and has given it to people who grew up loving it. Like, the prequels feel like a different universe. Like, this movie is supposed to be set, like, 19 years after the end of Episode 3, but that feels like a whole different everything. Like, it feels like Mm -hmm. a different film series. It feels... Like, it should be apocryphal or something. Um, even all the way down to, like, Darth Vader in this movie feels like Darth Vader. Like, when you see Darth Vader in Star Wars and in in A New Hope, the original episode, you have a mm-hmm. very distinct impression of who that character is. And everything in this movie that shows Darth Vader lines up with that characterization and enhances it and enriches it, whereas everything from the prequels undermined it. So, I don't know. It was just... I I loved it. Um, gosh, I love so much about this movie, guys. I feel like it's a movie that tells the story of the side characters. Like, the side characters get to be main characters. It's a movie about the janitor, you know? Like, these... You don't have to ha- be a hero or a Jedi to matter in this movie, which I completely love. I hear what you guys are saying about, like, I wish they had gotten more uh, character development and stuff, but... Mm-hmm. I honestly thought that the characters nailed, like the actors of these characters nailed every single note. Like lesser actors would have made these roles seem kind of thin, but I did not find their roles thin. I think the people who were there did, they fleshed out things with like a certain, like a, a twitch in their face or a look in their eye that gave so much depth Um and just added so much to their character and to their performance, like stuff beyond what the Showtime had room for. Um, mm-hmm. It was a complete story, which I adore. Like that was something about uh, this first anthology film that makes me think I might like the anthology films uh, holistically more than the trilogy films or like the continuation of the Skywalker saga mm-hmm. films because Skywalker films are like, comic books they're serialized i mean they're continuing forever they can tell a good story but they're setting up more story this story was completely contained it had a start a middle and an end but it lived in this universe that was so richly created already which i don't think i've seen in any movie yet like even marvel movies i don't feel like have so richly tapped into an existing universe um with no explanation there's no like hey let's explain what star wars is and what's going on you just get all of this world building automatically but then does things to further build that world and tell a complete story introduce you to characters get you to really care about them um yeah i I am so excited for the future of the Star Wars franchise based on this movie because it says that you can get directors like this who, like you were saying, Lucas, shoot every frame like it's a poster and make everything gorgeous, do interesting things, and give them an enormous budget and 
let them make these great movies because they exist within a property that people know they're going to like people will go see it. It's going to mm-hmm. give so much exposure to deserving artists and voices out there and to actors. Like I love the diversity of this cast. I think it's so um refreshing and it's almost like the opposite of what kind of crap was going on with Doctor Strange where it's like you know this is a big property. You know people are going to go see it. Like use a cast that represents a wider swath of the people who will be seeing this movie and they did and i was really happy to see that um yeah i just i i liked i liked a lot i'm scared that if i uh talk too much talk about it too much else i'll get into spoilers there were yeah some things that i you know i'm with you guys this is not a perfect film um but it was really really good and I know several people who've seen it who will say that like they liked this movie the best since the original Star Wars movie because those are the only two that were ever made to be a whole movie on their own. And mm-hmm. I really resonate with that perspective. Cool. That's so, exciting. Yeah. So are there any final thoughts or um, larger things about this movie that we want to talk about before we start moving into spoilers? Yeah. There's so much that I want to say, but I feel like it's all spoilery. Yeah, I feel like part of the experience of this movie that's really fun is being introduced to so much of what's going on. Like, we could tell you things that, you know, you're going to be, that wouldn't give away plot points, but even whenever you tell things that you loved about characters or about different settings or uh, set pieces or something seeing that for the first time on screen in this movie, I saw it, I don't know about you guys, I saw it on IMAX, um, and seeing those things come on screen for the first time at several points actually took my breath away. It was just oh, amazing. Lawson, you should tell us, how was the 3D? Oh, the 3D. Oh, you saw it in 3D? Yes, the IMAX screen yeah. that I went to. Uh, if I would recommend, just as an aside, looking online for a list of theaters that offer this because my movie before it started there was like a five or seven minute trailer for dunkirk the new chris nolan film which now, was shot entirely in 70 millimeter was it a trailer the, or was the it question the first on that five minutes of the movie exactly yes i don't know I, it was I, not a trailer it was not a trailer with voiceover and it was all I think that kind of I stuff think it was supposed to be the it's, first it's five the first minutes, five of, minutes the of the movie yeah. okay like he's done with yeah. the batman movies and things yes. like that yeah. I'd never seen any of those before, so I didn't know okay. how not to reference it. But it made me interested in Dunkirk way more than I already was. Um, so if you have a chance to go see that, I would recommend it. And to answer your original question, the 3D is great. The 3D is really great in this. Um, there are, I think, the use of practical and special effects in this movie uh, is very well balanced with some noticeable character exceptions. Um, but mo- mostly it's really well balanced and they were really able to, uh, translate that to 3d in a way that really worked it, it, the start of it, I was really, um, I don't know if this is just a 3d thing in general, but I was really blown away by some of the opening scenes in the 3d effects by the end of it. I kind of had stopped noticing. So I don't, to me, I think star Wars movies are always worth the premium viewing experience. I think. Marvel movies are so hectic and blurry and crazy that you can save the money. But 
with Star Wars, I think there's enough, you know, space battles and other cool things going on that it really like adds that extra, um, that extra something. So I'd say if you have the means, go see it in IMAX 3D. It really lends itself to the format. You know, I did, I saw this movie in like regular, in a regular theater, um, when Force Awakens came out, I saw it first in a regular theater, and then I saw it a second time in an IMAX 3D theater. And I gotta say, for me, um, I didn't like watching it in 3D. I had a much better time um, as a viewing experience when it was just like a regular movie. I And that just might be me and not liking 3D very much. But I guess I say that because I expected Force Awakens to have great 3D. I heard like really great things about it. And it mm-hmm. still didn't really do much for me. So I would, I want to say that for people who, if you just never have really been super into 3D, then like keep that in. I don't know if this one's going to be, um, if it's going to like, I don't know if it changes the game. What do you think, Lawson? Okay. Well, I was into the 3D in Force Awakens. So, and to me, because I did the same thing with Force Awakens, I was really like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I saw this again in IMAX 3D. This is the best. This is the ultimate so if you did that, if you're like Sandra and you're like, eh, it was negligible, this is not different. Yeah. Like it's not way better than uh, it was in episode seven. So yeah, definitely keep your own, keep the grain of salt of your own experience in that. Yeah. Um, oh, cool. Ready for spoilers? Let's spoil. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Are you paying attention? It's your last chance to walk away. Let me tell you what's going to happen. No, crack and gas. Spoilers! Remember, you wanted this. Okay, keeping in time, I, before I forget, Lawson, I want to ask you, now that we're in spoilers. Um, yes. So you just mentioned um, something about noticeable differences about characters in 3D. Yes. What, it, what were you referring to? Okay. Grand Moff Tarkin. Yeah. So, Ugh. yeah. Tarkin and Leia, uh, mm-hmm. those, I felt like the use of practical and CGI were so good in this. Like, they they are nailing that balance in this universe. It feels so lived in and so visceral. But every time that they showed those characters, I was just, I was pulled out. Like, Lucas, it felt fake. Did you see this in 3D? I did not. Okay. I did not. So I didn't. Still looked bad. See, for me, still looked bad. Guys, I thought it looked great. I I think I'm like the lone voice in this, not just on this podcast, but because I've heard similar things from other people. The what is the the villain's name that they recreated? Grim Moff Tarkin. Yeah. So I didn't realize that he was a CGI like recreation. Oh, really? I didn't even know. No, I didn't. I didn't. I haven't seen episode four in so long that yeah i didn't remember him from the first from that movie and so in this movie i didn't even notice or know that that was like not a person that was living and acting in this movie interesting I, I so just say. just I mean, real, quick, real quick to back it up for people i'll just say for yeah, people who don't up. know what we're talking about here grand moff tarkin is played by peter cushing who died in 1994 what they did was they basically took everything from all of his old performances and were able to recreate a brand new performance in this movie played by Peter Cushing. <laughs> yeah, well they so. had Paul Walker in Fast 7. Yeah, they had an actor yes. on set Curious for every one of his 
Yeah. Yes. They had yeah. an actor on set for every one of his shots that interacted with and voiced the character and everything. So they used exactly. that for a lot of the lighting. They used a lot of, um, a lot of his, mm-hmm. you know, body was real. They, the only yes. things that they put over, um, with digital enhancements were his face. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is something they've done in the past with Social Network for Army Hammer right. um, with the Winklevoss twins, um, but nobody's ever done it with a dead actor. Yeah, that wasn't like recreating um, a like performance. That was that was copy pasting and blending around the edges. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas whereas this is we're gonna completely make a character so like like you said that they've, they've done it in fast seven with with paul walker and stuff like that using other things that he shot for that role and that that you know that kind of thing but this was a whole character i thought like mm-hmm. if th- if this had been you know one scene the first time we see him we just see his back and Director Cranick, played by Ben Mendelsohn, walks up to him, and I was like, oh, this is a great way to do this, where you just see his back, and then you see the reflection of his face uh, in the glass. And I was like, this is perfect. This is the exact way to do it. He'll have, like, a couple lines, and it'll be great. But he's in this whole movie. Yeah. He is an actual character. See, and I I couldn't I couldn't focus on anything that he said when his scenes were on. For me. No, I so say I have no clue what best, happened with him. It's the best it's ever looked. I have never seen a CGI character look this close to real. And I was blown away. But instead of treating it like a character and I was like interested in his motivations, I was busy being blown away by how almost real it looked. Guys. It it, it hit the uncanny someone, valley for me. As someone who didn't know, I, I didn't notice a thing. I, I just was like watching this movie as, until, and then after the movie, I like saw that that person had died and like that, that he wasn't playing this role in this movie. Um, so all of that, what you said, Lucas, about like the looking of the, uh, like thinking you were just going to see the back. I thought that that's mm-hmm. what was going to happen when we saw Leia at the end. You know, we just see her back. Yeah. And so yeah. I'm thinking oh. like, so I'm, I'm watching this movie. Everything's been normal. I see the robe Leia. And I was like, oh, wow, that's like, that's Leia. That's all we're going to see of her. And then she turns around and we see her face. And I was blown away. I was so excited to see her face. And I thought it looks great. See, for for her... I mean, she says one word right. and it's just real quick right. and it's like, yeah, that's that that's great. Um, I did not get that moment because as soon as we saw Leia, I was like, ah, oh, they're going to do her too. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I didn't know. get that excited moment oh and I kind of wish that okay. I had. The movie yeah, ended Sandra. on such an amazing note for me because I didn't expect to see her face. And then when we did, yeah. I was like so in awe. Okay, I've heard <laughs> that's – I'm so glad to hear you say that. Like I'm yeah. jealous of that moment because yep. I heard on – I think it was on the Slash Filmcast I listened and I heard Jeff say, like, that would have been so good. If they hadn't used this yep. character in, in uh, like, recreated the whole time, you would have been blown away to see her for a second and it would have been the perfect ending. Oh, it was. And when I heard him say that, I was like, oh, it <laughs> would have been perfect if it hadn't been for everything else. Yeah, it was awesome. Yes. Uh, that's kind of important. It was great. That's yeah. amazing. Audience, I'm so I mean, glad. So- I don't know – in my, I was at the opening showing in Nashville, and um, I don't know if other people in my audience, uh, I'm assuming other people were more like y'all and yeah. knew about this other yeah. actor, um, but the reaction yeah. that that shot got at the end was really like loud and thunderous. So See, in, in my theater, we got a gasp when Peter Cushing showed up from yeah. everyone who, yeah, it was like... Oh my gosh! I can't believe they're doing this kind of situation. Huh. Yeah, I was the same. I and my, because my of how cabin, Peter Cushing, it because I didn't know he was yeah. anything special. <laughs> because Peter Cushing was distracting, I at the end mm-hmm. wanted them to just show Leia's back. I was like, Yeah, same. That's same. 
so <laughs> such you you can just show her back and have her say hope and that's beautiful and understated. Right. Like part of the thing that makes Furious Seven work so well is they show Paul Walker so sparingly and in such like off to the like shaded moments, only necessary moments, like very tastefully and cunningly. And in this, yeah. they like they assume, and hopefully more people did have your experience, Sandra, but they assume that every their technology is good enough to where everyone has your experience. And yeah. there's a Which large I don't think is the swath case. of the population that we're stuck with us in the uncanny valley. So I think I I debated this a lot after I left the theater of should they have even had this character in there is, you know, or did you just do this just to have this moment? Um, and I do feel like for Ben Mendelsohn's character, or for director Kranich to be the character that he is and to have this kind of fight with, um, with Grand Moff Tarkin, that's an important part of his character. And it's actually some of the good character development that we get mm -hmm. is seeing his motivation for what he's doing and something like that. And I don't, but I, I want, I wanted that to be with a different character. It story, if he were alive story wise, it would make the most sense for it to be him and for, for all of that to happen. Yeah. But because the technology wasn't there, I wanted it to be somebody else. Yeah. I, thought it was i thought having him there was the right decision i think he was perfect for the role everything about it was right um i just think they could have done it without doing so, so many shots just focused on his face like there yeah. were there were <laughs> shots of his face after he was done talking that is the hardest thing to do whenever you're using a cgi character is to have a face not look like a doll's face whenever they're done moving or talking or walking or whatever. Right. Like you see in Westworld, all of, you know, young Anthony Hopkins moving around or running through the hallway. And those brief moments look real. Like they're mm -hmm. incredible. But in these moments, I was, I was really taken they, out of it. They went all in. They were like, we're going to do this. We're, no, they did. <laughs> we're going to light him well. We're going to focus on him. It's going to be great. And yeah. I, I don't think that they pulled it off. It reminded me of the uh, Mummy Returns where there's the Scorpion King and at yes. the end of it, the rock is half scorpion, half human. And yeah. it was like the year 2003. So they had yeah. no special effects. And they're like, we're just going <laughs> to do it. And this is going to be like most of this movie. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, it was too much. But I don't want to spend too much time stuck on the technical stuff. I want to make sure that we talk about these characters in depth because I love these characters. Don't let me cut you off if you have final thoughts on this. Well, but no, no, let's, 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 characters, oh. can we talk about trailers and reshoots and cut footage? Because that is something that I feel like is... Um, one thing that has like been stuck in my head is all the shots that like we saw in the trailers and we didn't see in the movie. Um, slash totally. slash film yeah. has a really great piece that y'all can go look up that has um, it goes shot by shot of shots that appear in the trailer that we didn't get to see in the movie and what that could have meant for what like the original ending was like for this movie. Um, and it's a really really interesting agreed look. agreed. Have y'all seen this? I yes, I, I read through that, and it's something that, as I said, like Gareth Edwards talks about on the on the Empire podcast, um, is that ba basically what happened was they were done shooting, the shooting was completely done, and Disney I think got a little worried, um, with the story and just kind of how 
um, kind of how everything was going. And they brought in, who was it? Oh, they, they brought in Tony Gilroy um, from, I guess, the Bourne movies fame um, to do rewrites on the ending. And they went back and did reshoots for those scenes and re-edited kind of what they had together. And this is late in the game. This is like this summer. So they'd been done shooting and, and were in editing and post-production at this point. Yeah, because it was supposed um, to come out this summer, right? No, it was always Christmas. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, but so we got trailers like last year, basically. And well, I guess it was January. We got trailers in January, February um, with a lot of different shots that and did not end up <laughs> in this movie or were edited differently in this movie. Um, and it from from what it looks like, it looks like there was a lot of running on the beach, um, a, lot, a lot more happening on uh, in that that ending heist um, than actually ended up happening in the movie. I guess for me, um, the thing that's hard to reconcile. And again, I loved the ending of this movie, so I'm not complaining about reshoots i'm not complaining about like the fact that this stuff was cut out you know what i mean i thought the way the movie ended Mm -hmm. was like really beautiful and touching and i was so excited by it but there were three like main shots that i felt were so iconic in the marketing of this movie that were absent from the film and i feel like they've continued to use this these shots in the marketing even up past like the Mm -hmm. reshoots so one it's like the famous line in that trailer um like it's something like this is a rebellion isn't it i rebel to me like that which i think is a cheesy line i love the line i'm a fan of it (laughs) so i was you know like waiting for i thought it was cheesy but she pulled it off as good as you can i was like waiting for that line the whole movie that never came then there's the shot of her um, in like that black stormtrooper uniform that was mm-hmm. in that like yep. light up hallway and she turns to the camera, yep. a beautiful, like, I feel like iconic shot. We don't, we never see mm-hmm. that. Um, so true. And then what I think is like one of the best and most iconic posters for this movie is like the stormtroopers going into the water on the beach. Yeah. And we never see Storm that tro- either. Trooper walk. Yeah. And so which to me, I'm OK with it because that just happens in marketing. When you're marketing a movie, you use tons of stuff that wasn't actually in the movie. And yeah, I think a lot of those shots would have been great in the movie. Um, but I think the stuff that interests me more is the stuff that would have actually changed the story, not just shots that they didn't use. Yeah. I guess for me, I'm OK when a trailer uses like an alternate take, if maybe like an alternate take is better for the flow of the trailer. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But like yeah. a visual that is so like really stands out. You know what I mean? Or like an alternate like mm-hmm. comedic line that like just adds a punch to the trailer that you don't want to spoil like the real joke in the movie or I don't know. You know, things like that make a lot of sense to me. But those images that are like, I feel like so specific that really stand out in your mind um, I think it's a shame to like give us those images and all this marketing and then we never um, get to like come to fruition in the film. Yeah, I it's hard because I don't I don't want to review the movie that might have been 
like it's hard because we're in this unique place in Hollywood right now. And I mean, as far as I understand, maybe it's been this way for a long time, but like Fantastic Four apparently had a great cut and then was destroyed. And now Lucas will attest is an awful movie. Um, (laughs) This movie, I think, came out amazing, but it was probably cut from the look of that first trailer, which I loved too, Sandra, like especially the end where the sirens just going. I think we like talked about it whenever that first trailer came out. Um, Looked a lot more dark and a lot more um, Mm -hmm. gritty. And I was really interested in that uh, that vision of things, but I I don't know. I, I know that there's a lot of big properties and big universal continuity things that uh, need to be held up in these movies now. But I I'm really happy with the way this movie turned out. I'm I can't help but be fascinated by the other the the darker <laughs> vision. But um, yeah. But I mean, I think. I think this is great and i think one of the nice things about a universe like this is there's room like yeah um i thought forrest whitaker was one of the people who i talked about like did such subtle and incredible things with his performance which was ultimately a storyline that was like really underserved and i think mm-hmm. that his character may have an entire additional like you could have a whole other movie about him yeah and like i just I just want to find out what is up with him. His character design in particular has like 15 different things going on there. So it's funny for (laughs) me to hear you call his performance subtle because I loved his performance. I was digging it, but Mm -hmm. I feel like it was turned up like to a way higher volume than like anyone else's. (laughs) Agreed. No, no. Agreed. Yeah, no, I may have, I may have said that. I thought there were subtle things about his performance that like gave depth to definitely he i mean he's a zealot in the movie and he like does his character is almost the most cartoonish out of everyone you're like who is this crazy dude with this like Mm -hmm. insane apparatus but there were so many little bits of the way that he performed it that i was like oh there's a story behind why he does that and why he does that and why he does that and i want to know all of it but okay so that's one of my favorite characters was forrest whitaker i thought he was great um, but there are a lot of great characters in this. What were um, some of y'all's favorite ones? Out of this huge I gotta ensemble? say, I gotta say, on the character front, I loved all of these characters. But kind of to what you said earlier, um, before we got into the spoilers, um, I feel like they were the ones that made me love them. The writing of the characters and the characters themselves that I think were in the script were not great or very well developed. But the actors themselves elevated them to a level that I loved. I do not think they're as good characters as Ray and Finn and Poe um, yeah. in the movies that we're going to get in the future. Um, but I still really loved what the actors did with these characters. So I'm going to go with, um, I mean, I've talked enough about Riz Ahmed, so I'm not going to talk about him now. But <laughs> <laughs> Donnie Yen in this movie was uh, amazing. Donnie Yen's I'm so amazing. glad they incorporated a lot of the the force yeah into this movie um this is the first time that we've had people talk about the force that aren't jedis <laughs> um he's not a jedi he's just a force sensitive person and i feel like in the past all we've gotten are they're normal people and there are jedi slash sith um and that's all that you get with the force um and to know now that they're 
that that people can be sensitive to the force and people kind of understand and can feel the force that's that that opens a whole new door in this universe that I am so into exploring um and I think that I think it was so great to see him be the guy who did that yeah I mean it's the most obvious thing for me to be obsessed with the characters of Baze and Sharut in this movie like to have their what I'm going to proclaim love story um be like this really touching focus of the film um was really exciting I I wish that we were at a place in our film industry where it could be um, said out loud that they are like a gay love couple um, and not just kind of implied, but I loved every moment with the two of them. Yeah, whether it's platonic or romantic love, it's definitely a love story and it's really beautiful. It was, I agree, one of the most touching parts of the film and whenever... Th- those death scenes were, I think, the most affecting out of all of them. I mean, other than, uh, oh, what's the robot's name? K2SO. K2SO, yeah. I thought was also really touching, and I thought that was incredible that they were able to do that with the robot. But yes, their two, their relationship was so good, and I think I think we're a couple years away. I think they're, we will have a gay Star Wars character, an out gay Star Wars character, within a couple movies from now. See I I read it as super platonic. I did in this, too in this movie. I yeah, and I I I, I think they had a fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I think they had a fantastic relationship in this movie, and I think they had the most depth. And you and their backstory, I think, is the most interesting. Um, and again, with each one of these, there's just so much more that I wanted to know about them that we didn't get. Um, but yeah, yeah, for me, I I loved just. The way they talk to each other and the way they kind of, you know, spouted off at each other, you can tell they have been friends for a long time. <laughs> yeah. And that was awesome. I mean, everything about their dynamic read to me such as, like, married, old married couple. Like, just, like, the way, like, even just, like, the way one of them was just kind of, would, like, kind of roll his eyes at the other one, but still, like, be right by his side. Um, I mean, I'd say me and Lawson have that dynamic, <laughs> but... yeah no i think there's there are i mean this is that you're right like sander our perspective is heteronormative i think there are i mean he says something like i can do anything with you by my side and to me that's just like so in love (laughs) they're so in love i mean i have also said stuff like that to lucas so yeah i i don't (laughs) think love has to be has to be limited to sexual well of course it doesn't (laughs) that's why i was so excited that Jin and cassian didn't have like this grand kiss at the end of the movie agreed Agreed. yes that was fantastic yeah Yeah, i think in general they just focus because like they just met each other and they've just been like fighting a war this whole time versus the two people that have obviously been like living with each other for years and are in a close (laughs) relationship i'm not just putting like sexual undertones on just any like gay couple that i see and i know y'all aren't saying that i'm just i'm not (laughs) i I don't i don't feel attacked i'm just saying yeah. I'm more just defending my position that I think it makes sense for theirs to be the, like the love story of this film versus any other pairing in this film. I, I agree. I if, agree. If there that. was a love story in this film, it would be them. Yes. I as agree opposed to anybody that. else. Definitely. And it's one of those things where I think it's a real bummer that there have to be 
characters like this where you can interpret it platonically or you can interpret it romantically, I think in the future they'll just be like, yes, this is a romantic relationship, they're the same sex, like, it's fine. Um, so, but yeah, their, I thought their dynamic was fantastic. I agree, I loved that um, there wasn't a big kiss at the end of the film. They just kind of had gone through that experience together. Um, I thought, oh, what's this character? I should have this pulled up. Why don't I, why don't I have this pulled up? The character's <laughs> names. I know, um, I what's the, the guy? Because all these names are like really hard. They're the, classic Star Wars names. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, what actor? Okay. The hills are alive. Um, oh yeah, Cassian. So Cassian, I thought was a, ma- a great character and I just loved seeing his like, I, I, it's so black and white in the original Star Wars trilogy and even in The Force Awakens um, how it's like there's good guys and there's bad guys and Cassian is more of a Han Solo character but like an, a Han Solo character that definitely shot for, first. He shot an informant. Like it wasn't like a bad guy who was out to get him. He was just like you gave me information alright you might rat me out so I'm gonna kill you. Like well, he's working I think, for the rebellion. Uh, yeah. But. I, and like like you said this this isn't something that's happened before in the other movies, but I think it's very interesting to to say that there aren't just rebels and the what is it? The, uh, the empire. It's not just rebels, rebels versus the empire. the empire. Yeah, there's rebels and then there's extremists and then there are empires and then there are defectors and just knowing that this is a war, this is messy, and knowing that it's not just good versus evil. I think is really important. Yeah, this is the first Star Wars where the word wars actually makes sense. Yeah, totally. And I, I and I I think what what he does like his him killing the informant like that's not taken as like oh he's you know he's doing a good thing it's like wow that was ruthless not good like he's he's done bad things for the good cause um and it and it actually makes the movie struggle with you know is that okay like can yeah. you do can you do bad things for good reasons one kind of, of the thing. strongest lines to me out of this whole movie was whenever he talks to them like we've all. He's talking in, like, uh, the Bay Area right before or the, like, loading bay with all the X-Wings and stuff. And he's like, we've all done terrible things in the name of the Rebellion. And if it disappears, then we will have done all those things for nothing and we couldn't live with ourselves. What a complex thing to say. Like, I, yeah. I don't know that I've heard any war movies talk with that kind of language. Like, yes, of course mm-hmm. you're grappling with that. That's so and, so real, and, and they are able to put it forth in this fantasy. Sorry, go ahead, Tanya. And that they're grappling with it so much that they're willing to go on what could be essentially a suicide mission. Like that they're mm-hmm. like yes. they're willing to go on that because they can't handle grappling with it as for any longer. Right. Yeah. Like we have to fight for this to exist, or we wouldn't be able to live with ourselves. So if we possibly die, like that's something that we can stomach. Yeah. I just I was that one line was worth the price of admission to me. Yeah. Uh, but I also love that this movie had stakes. I feel like I'm talking more than my fair share, but seriously, like this movie actually had, none of these characters had to keep living for a uh, franchise to continue right. going. Uh, but it was great because all you know is they definitely get the plans out to the Death Star. And because that happens, 
they like some people are going to die because in the first Star Wars movie they talk about how a lot of people died to get those plans there, but you don't know who's going to die, and the fact that everyone dies and everyone gets their moment was I I was not expecting that I wasn't expecting so, that to happen and I was touched by it. So you you thought you thought somebody would make it out going into this movie you thought people would live. I thought maybe one person would live, like okay. two tops. Yeah. Um, but I knew that it had to be, they could, everyone couldn't live because then they technically should have been in episodes four, five, and six. But, um, I thought that one or two people could have been like, and it was this person all along or like <laughs> they just become a pilot and you don't hear about them in the next movies. But, uh, it was cleaner for continuity, but it was also mm. a way to really show the stakes of all these people who don't, like, their name isn't, I don't know. I Do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, they're not huge heroes. They're not important people. They're not, like, politicians with lasting legacies. But they right. gave everything yeah. to try to do what they could uh, to help this cause and gave their life doing it. And all of these heroic stories that, you know, have become such a part of our lore and everything wouldn't have been possible without those characters and so i know i'm like getting emotional about <laughs> this whole thing that's uh just fantasy but the <laughs> fact that they show that story i think is so important because i think so many of those stories in real life are overlooked and uh not given uh the credence that they need i mean it's all of it's like that incremental change approach like people working hard whether or not there's fame in it to try to do things that are i want to say right but even morally complicated do things that mm -hmm. are morally complicated to try to uh, push things forward to try to make for a better good and that's that's really compelling to watch it's so much more compelling to watch than good guy shoots bad guy bad guy's gone like agreed agreed i thought it was great i want to quickly bring up um the way women are treated in this movie. Um, so, you know, back when we were first, I think talking on the podcast about one of the, like the first trailers that came out, um, I had mentioned to y'all about how excited I was that Felicity Jones was starring in this movie and that they were, that they were going back in history and showing like the importance of women's roles in the rebellion, because in the original star Wars films, they had filmed female pilots as part of the rebellion attack on the death star and then ended up, and then they cut the female pilots out of the, out of the film before they released it in theaters. So like Ugh. we could have had female pilots in the first star Wars movie and then, and we didn't get to. Um, and so how I was excited to like, that they were putting women back into this story. Um, positives and ne negatives. I think in this movie, the way women are treated positives, not only do we have, you know, the main character be this woman who is like integral to the plot. Um, but also during the battle scene, there was a mixture of male and female pilots. Um, and I know that that's like a very small thing, like just having, you know, they didn't have many lines that we don't know their names, but seeing, and I'm not even saying it was equal representation because I didn't count how many women versus men there are. I'm probably, I'm pretty sure it wasn't equal, but seeing, Women also involved, even in those small background characters, I think is so important. 
Um, and I was, and it really made me excited to see their presence there. Um, on the negative, yeah, I don't, I don't think that was small at all. I yeah. think that was really important. Go ahead. Yeah. So on the negative side, um, I've heard several people talk about this criticism, and I think it's an important one. Um, I am looking forward to a future when we can get away from this trend of one exceptional woman in a cat in a cast full of men. You know, you look at the main characters for this film, and there's one woman. And then, like, seven guys of all different, like, abilities and ethnicities and, like, all this variety and, like, and just, like, we get one woman to, like, be in this movie. You know what I mean? Um, I feel like that is such a disservice and obviously not an equal representation of, like, the way women interact in this in the world. And so, um, and when you have just one woman amongst, like, a main cast of like plenty other men it forces that woman to represent all women so yes stereotypes are so easy to throw onto that woman or even if you're breaking stereotypes it feels not authentic because there's only one represented um i feel like scarlett johansson faces this a lot in the marvel franchise um absolutely and you know like in um age of ultron you know a lot was made about like the romantic plot lines put on scarlett johansson's character and how like silly they felt to be put on like the one woman in the franchise and that's because like when you only have one woman like you don't get to spread out the stories and it feels so pointed and i'm not i don't know if there was anything specific about this movie where i was like this feels so pointed to have the one female character i guess you could you know but when you only have one, it's just such a limited storytelling. So um, I feel like there is a lot of room to improve in that regard. Yeah, definitely. That's my soapbox. So, (laughs) yeah, I think that's an important part that is we're getting there with blockbusters, but we're not there yet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh, there's one other thing I wanted to touch on before we ended it. Oh, so something that I thought was wonderful about this movie and I've heard people complain about, but I thought it was really good was um, the retcon of the really intense vulnerability <laughs> in the the Death Star, sure. where it's like, shoot one torpedo in this one thing and the whole thing blows up. Like, that's awfully convenient, but this movie totally fixes that in a really badass way, and I love that. And I heard people say um, that that makes... Uh, episode four a lot better and all the other movies where they make different versions of the death star a lot worse um but (laughs) but that didn't bother me because to me you have one engineer and one engineer you know is the mastermind of this whole thing and then you have further people uh what's the saying like standing on the shoulders of giants like taking inspiration from these previous designs and being like okay this is how this goes together and how this la 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 like over i could totally see somebody yeah. overlooking that, that makes a lot whenever of they have to yeah and they have this huge project and undertaking and are like scared for their life if they do anything wrong like how much courage would you have to question previous plans so um but yeah so i i love that they did that and i'm really excited about what that says for just tons of star wars movies in the future for like what they can do to enrich stuff we already know about um but yeah, that was my last bit. Let's talk yeah. about the ending. What'd y'all think? Um, so our one lightsaber in this 
movie, uh, Wrecked Shop. That was a great way <laughs> to to finish this off. Just the way he, the way Darth Vader shows up, pulls out his lightsaber, and murders a million people. As we have this um, handoff <laughs> yeah. constantly between all these guys uh, to get onto Leia's ship, um, I thought that was fantastic. I thought that was so cool. I mean, that's what I was saying about like this movie feeling like it existed in the other world. Like mm-hmm. a lightsaber actually feels like a big deal because you don't see one for the whole time. And yeah. when one yeah. comes out, like I think that's the most incredible Darth Vader scene out of all six, Any. like every movie. Yep. Yep. It just looks so menacing and so it takes the essence of what you feel as a kid when you see that character for the first time and puts it into practice. Yep. Because this is the first time we've actually seen Darth Vader. This is the most aggressive we've ever seen Darth Vader. Not Anakin, but Darth Vader. Right. Well, the rest of the time he's using his lightsaber, it's against someone else with a lightsaber. This is him just mowing people down like a complete villain. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So good. Right. Cool. Are you, does this make you more or less excited for episode eight and the Han Solo movie? This makes me more excited for the Han Solo movie, same amount of excited for episode eight. Sandra? Um, I'm going to second that. Yeah. Do we know who's directing okay. the Han Solo movie yet? Who's doing the Batman movie? The Lego yeah, Batman like movie. That's Oh, Lego Batman? Oh, Chris Lord and Miller. Lord and Miller. The, the combo. Yes. Yes. They're doing the Han Solo movie. Yeah. Oh, okay, yes, then I'm super excited for that. I love them. Yeah, me as well. I, I will say I am now more excited for the Han Solo movie um, and also more excited for Episode Eight. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I just want more Star Wars. I've always been super excited for Episode Eight because I love Ryan Johnson. Same. So um, yeah. I don't think I could get more excited for it, probably until I see a trailer. I was going to say, I didn't think I could, but now I am. And then when a trailer happens, I'll be even more sure, excited. Sure, sure, so. sure. All right. Well, I think that about wraps it up for Rogue One. Um, let's go around and tell people where they can wish us a Merry Christmas online this week. Uh, Sandra, where can we find you online? All of my social handles are at Sandra Amstutz. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. I'm Lucas Wright. You can find me at Lucas and Stuff. Um, I just published on Letterboxd my... Uh, top movies of 2013, 14, and 15, because I had not done that. Uh, then, so stay tuned for 2016. <laughs> I went and one up Lucas, and I posted my top yes. 10 for 2010, 11, 12, 13, 14, and 15. So See, go, I didn't do that for 2010, 11, or 12. Go look at mine as well on Letterboxd. Yep. And I went and looked at Christmas lights. <laughs> <laughs> look at you, filling the season. I know, I feel very underachieving, but... Based on those lists. Um, <laughs> you can find me at Lawson West on Letterboxd. I do not have any of those lists up, but I would still love to connect with you on there, hoping that more and more people fill out that social networking site for sure. Um, also, you can connect with me on Twitter or Instagram, as always. And feel free to connect with podcast itself on uh, Twitter at feelingitpod, or leave us a review on iTunes. That really helps us get visibility. Or send us an email. We'd love to get some long-form responses, talk through any uh, questions or topics you guys have or would love to hear us talk about. So uh, feel free to get in touch. We hope you guys have a very Merry Christmas or a very happy portion of Hanukkah. Um, We will talk to you on... In 2017. 2017. This horrid year will be over. There will be nothing (laughs) better.
Yeah. Bye, everybody. Bye. Adios. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it. Go home. Yep. Move along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people.